This is the Stories from 1916 podcast. Using first-hand accounts and archive material, we tell the less well-known stories of ordinary men and women who did extraordinary things during Ireland's revolutionary period. This week, we're looking at the story of Scottish schoolteacher and revolutionary Margaret Skinner. She was an extraordinary woman who came from Scotland to join the fight for Irish independence and proved herself very capable and courageous in doing so. In 1955, she recorded an interview in which she spoke of her experiences during Easter week. I was born in Scotland of Irish parents and was a member of Cumnamon there. When Countess Marquis Vix, as promised, sent me word of the date of the proposed rising, I came to Ireland on Holy Thursday. I stayed with Countess Marquis Vix and joined the Irish Citizen Army of which she was an officer. As a member of the Glasgow Cumann she had already made a number of trips to Ireland and had become friendly with Countess Markievicz. On some occasions, she smuggled bomb-making equipment into the country, hidden in her hat. She had already learned to shoot a rifle, ironically, in a rifle club that had been set up to train women to defend the British Empire. She acted as a scout and a dispatch rider, and was also one of the few women who partook in the rising to use a firearm. She is recorded as a very successful sniper. On Easter Monday 1916, we set out to challenge the then mighty British Empire, to ensure that the children of the nation would be born in freedom, that they would never know the humiliation and shame of living under alien rule, or endure the truculence of a foreign soldiery. My part was a very small one, but still I was there. On Easter Monday morning, I was sent by James Conley, Commander-in-Chief of the Dublin area, to scout around the barracks to see if troops were stirring. They were not. And in fact, I learned later that many of their officers were off to the races at Ferry House. By the time I returned, our men were entrenching themselves in Stevens Green. Commandant Mallon then gave me my first dispatch to headquarters at the GPO, where I saw the fruitless attempt on the GPO by the 5th Lancers. The decision to dig trenches in St Stephen's Green seems to have been based on the assumption that the Citizen Army and volunteers could have occupied all the strategically important buildings surrounding the Green. However, this not being the case, the position proved to be a vulnerable one. On Monday night we camped out in Stevens Green, but during the night British troops had gained possession of the Shelburne Hotel and at four o'clock in the morning they started machine gun fire on us. This made it impossible for us to stay in the Green, so it was decided to take possession of the College of Surgeons. We lost one of our boys, James Fox, who was killed before we left the Green. The Royal College of Surgeons was to be their stronghold for the rest of Easter week. Once they had taken the building, Margaret was sent to retrieve a group of rebels from Leeson Street Bridge. I had ridden ahead to report to Commandant Mallon, and as he stood listening to me, a bullet whizzed through his hat. He took off his hat, looked at it without comment, and put it on again. This hat may be seen in the 1916 section in the National Museum. On Wednesday, we spent most of our time sniping at the British from the roof of the College of Surgeons. Her sniping was of an excellent standard and earned her numerous commendations in dispatches to the GPO. In her autobiography, she notes, More than once I saw the man I aimed at fall. The next day, the garrison was coming under fire from a machine gun on the roof of University Church on the adjacent side of the green. Two squads were sent out to ambush the position. I was in charge of one squad of four men. When we reached the building at the foot of Harcourt Street, which was to be set on fire, Councillor Partridge burst the lock of the door with his rifle butt. 
The rifle went off and the flash revealed our position to the enemy who were in the Sinn Féin bank opposite. I turned to call the men to come on, heard a volley and fell wounded. I was carried out to the street and there lay Fred Ryan, a lad of seventeen. He was dead. I was carried back to the College of Surgeons and had my wounds attended to. And although so badly wounded, I had to laugh when the men and women around me took a cough which I was trying to suppress as the death rattle. Seriously injured by a gunshot wound a quarter of an inch away from her spine, she spent seven weeks recovering in hospital. All reports that came to me there were of death and prison sentences. Day after day the executions went on. Even James Conley, badly wounded, was placed in a chair and shot. Countess Markiewicz received a life sentence. We did not win a military victory in 1916, but we roused the people, and all over the country men joined in the fight for independence and rid at least part of our country of the foreign army that had held us in bondage for hundreds of years. Margaret Skinner continued to fight for independence in the IRA and took the anti-treaty side in the Civil War. She returned to work as a school teacher after the war and became involved in the Irish National Teachers' Organisation, campaigning for equal wages for women and eventually becoming president of the union in 1956. She died in 1971. I will finish by reading to you the tribute paid to the men and women who fought in 1916 by Patrick Pierce in his last proclamation. For four days they have fought and toiled, almost without sleep, and in the intervals of fighting they have sung the songs of freedom of Ireland. If they do not win this fight, they will at least have deserved to win it. But win it they will, although they may win it in death. Already they have won a great thing. They have redeemed Dublin from many shames and made her name splendid among the names of cities. For more on Margaret Skinner and several other revolutionary women of 1916, visit www.storiesfrom1916.com. Thanks for listening.